of sorry no podcast today where we would be recording but unfortunately we are all learning the way of the blade for the upcoming war with the robots i my name is jp acosta and we actually recorded a double feature for the first episode ever of course meaning we went a little too long the first time but here is our next episode we get into college football and the nfl draft i hope you guys enjoy yeah so speaking of rosters and rankings and things that ultimately don't matter right now. Uh, the college football playoff has released their first preliminary rankings of the season. And I was kind of stunned initially because they put Ohio State at one. For those who don't know, the top four were Ohio State at one, Georgia at two, Michigan at three, Florida State at four. I was stunned they put Ohio State at one. Like, I get the whole, like, it It feels like, and I think the uh, the head of the college football playoff committee chair said, like, we took resume into a whole lot more consideration this year than any yeah. of the previous years. But in that case, like, I get why you put Ohio State one, but I think the quality of, like, the quality of win should also matter on the resume because, like, they kind of just barely scraped. They had to have Notre Dame have 10 people on the field twice <laughs> for them yeah. to win that game. <laughs> Notre Dame had to colossally shit the bed. Now, I'm, they can get they can have the Penn State win because it's Penn State, but yeah, what were your guys' overall thoughts? So, on... I do just want to say that, like, if you look at the other top four teams, it's like FSU has the win over LSU, but. Other than that, the rest of their wins Dude. don't look as good because Clemson lost to Miami. And Duke has its own problems with like Riley Leonard not being healthy or not being fully healthy. Like there is a lot to be said that like they Notre Dame or Ohio State rather probably has the best resume of the teams that you would consider number one as of now. Uh, I think when Michigan plays Ohio State, that might change when. Well, if Michigan wants to steal signs, it'll definitely change. But uh, Georgia has a tougher schedule. They're going to have to play, I think, Alabama probably in the conference championship game. Like, or like they, there are teams in that conference that are like good. Like, I think that like to some degree, this is going to change at some point. Uh, it is very much like overreaction to the first. Uh, poll of like hey guys well we need to talk about something here we go let's have fun with it like so many things can change from now until the end of the season when you look at schedules i will say one thing it's like there are some teams at the bottom of these rankings that could move up and become sort of either spoilers or teams that sort of make discussion and the one team i look at yeah kansas state because they play texas they may have to play oklahoma in the big 12 championship they beat texas they suddenly have two wins against like top 10, top 11 teams. The conversation around that team shifts dramatically if their two losses are to ranked teams in Missouri and Oklahoma State, and they have really good wins 
against Texas if they win this week, and then Oklahoma we perceive. And they'll beat Kansas, who is also ranked. Yeah, like they, like if they went out, they have to play Kansas. And like well. I wonder, I wonder how far the committee puts a team like that up. And like I'm not going to say they're like a playoff team, but yeah, top ten. Like, I, like I mean, they'll make a New Year's Six. Like and yeah, they, I mean, if, well, if, if they win if out, they, yeah. if they win the Big Twelve championship, they're in a New Year's Six, but regardless. Yeah. But like the big thing would be like rankings wise is like how does that change if Texas is not in that top seven discussion, Oklahoma's not in that discussion anymore, and like. You may be looking at a situation where if Missouri keeps winning, they're in that conversation. Yeah. Well, I was gonna I was gonna bring up uh one of those teams that could potentially leapfrog other teams in the top ten. Missouri. Missouri has got a, Georgia this week. Missouri's got a big Georgia. game this week. And it's not I'm not gonna say Georgia looks weaker because they throttled Florida last week, but but this if this Missouri team is as good as people say they are and they somehow managed to upset Georgia and they went out. Like we're looking at a two loss SEC team in the playoff, which yeah. <laughs> this, this is where it gets interesting. It's like Missouri. I, I was surprised they put Missouri as high as 12. I was, I was really I thinking was Missouri was going to be like 16, 17, anything like that. I, I do kind of wonder if they inflated it a little they bit. Did. They did. They they I definitely know. did inflate Absolutely. it to set up Absolutely. the matchup against Georgia. It's yeah, like that's that's kind of my thing. They, like, yeah. they needed to build. They um, need to, they need to give Georgia something. So where they this put, gets, they put Georgia this is the reputation team. armor. <laughs> yeah. where, where this gets interesting is like this is the one offense I think that Georgia plays that's actually like remotely serious. Like Flor- Florida pre, would pre Atlanta, pre Atlanta, pre Atlanta. Yes, when. Like Florida moved the ball, and then they had the trick play, and everything fell apart. Missouri is not going to have the same cataclysmic failures because they're offensive. I just want to, I just want to understand like what's being said. Missouri will not have the same cataclysmic failures as Florida. And Something reason, that I did my, not think would be my reason said for I'm saying that is because I think Missouri's offensive line is significantly better than Florida. No, I mean I agree. It's yeah, I, it's it's damn. It's, when we're you come in at the beginning of the year in the offseason, we were like, Drinkwitz could be fired. Like, he's on the hot seat. And then now they should be on here. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. Drinkwitz, is gonna, Drinkwitz is going to be the first coach that gets fired after making the playoff. <laughs> he makes the SEC. He makes it. He wins the SEC East and he gets canned. But, like, like this is the first, I think, real significant, huge test. How is Georgia going to handle covering Luther Burden the third? This like is that, this that, good this on is good. It's interesting. Yeah. And and so, the thing is, is the Missouri defense is also real good, um, and they yeah. have a they have a secondary that has the same that has great production that can kind of even rival Georgia's production that we've seen recently. And it's Rakestraw Jr. is phenomenal yeah. at corner, and without Brock Bowers, I, who's who is that next guy? Can Missouri make enough plays defensively where the and the offense generate a couple of explosives? Now you're sitting here, and, it, and it's like, if it's so close it's at halftime, what I will say to that point about Missouri's defense being very good, Carson Beck has looked really good. Carson they, Beck has looked they really took, good. They season. took that bye week yeah. and kind of self-scouted, and they look really – Carson Beck looks really, really good. Like, I not, don't know. I, I, I will say, like, I don't – Like, I don't of course, I want to like, see more, but yeah, it's been, like, what, a couple games? like. Post their bye week, yeah, good. 
Like, he looked yeah. really good. Post-flop. The other thing I want to say is like, I think he's looked good for college quarterback. I still don't know like the NFL draft. And like, I don't think everything well, needs to turn into a discussion about the NFL draft, but like, I still think yeah. that like, I mean, we, we do have that on the list of things to talk yeah, about. I was going to say, that, that's on the I, list. I, I, I do, Thanks, I just want to bring, well, I just want to bring up one more point to watch as we sort of continue the season is the committee very conveniently ranked Tulane and Air Force at 24 and 25. And yeah. that's going to decide who makes it who to the, the New Year's Six Bowl between yeah. those. And yeah, I think Tulane probably has the upper hand because their one loss is to a good Ole Miss team. Yeah, compared and to the Air Force, they'll play significantly better teams. Yeah, and, and Ole Miss, the Ole Miss loss, the committee came out and said they didn't have Michael Pratt in. Yeah, they were like, still right. larger competitive in that game. And, but, and the committee if, has always said, like publicly, like, "Hey guys, we're going to take into account like circumstances around games. Like, if a guy's out, right. we're not going to dock a team because they played with their second string quarterback against yeah. a significantly better opponent. But yeah. if they don't throttle these teams and like, you know, if they like." just barely get by UTSA, SMU, or like Memphis in the AAC title game, and Air Force just throttles everybody like they think they are, <laughs> is Air Force going to get in over the I, fact that they just destroy everybody? I, I, I don't think know. They're I don't out. Know. They're like, out, just... but Air Force versus USC would be the funniest game. <laughs> I know. God, that would be It'd be so good. I'm, oh, already, I'm already looking at – um. I know it's both of y'all's teams, but Air Force versus Washington or Air Force versus Oklahoma would be incredibly funny. Oh, Oklahoma! I, I, I just, would I just, I would be. I, that thing would be very funny. But yeah, the yeah. one takeaway that I kind of had from the college football playoff rankings is we can finally be done with Penn State. Like, yeah. I don't want to see. Of course, it's their eleven, not ten. But I think that's really like it's yeah. growth for the college football playoff committee because they always have like Penn State is like. They're like the leftovers seven, like in the seven, back of the yeah. fridge. Where it's like, hey, they, they you know. Put Texas there now. That's <laughs> finally. Well, yeah. That's also another thing that was brought up. You know, Texas was ahead of Bama, who was ahead of Oklahoma. And this is where kind of the resume thing came into play. Texas beat Bama. Oklahoma beat Texas. But Oklahoma also <laughs> lost, lost yeah, Kansas. It, it was just it, like, it's a, it's a what have you done for me more recently? Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Like, it's, like, I, I will say, too, like kind of going back to the top of the rankings and stuff, like looking at the resumes and stuff, like I, I think the argument, right, for Ohio State being at the top, right, is like Georgia's schedule really doesn't start until this week. They've got Missouri. They still yeah. have they still have Ole to play Miss. Ole Miss next week. Um, they still have Tennessee mm-hmm. on the schedule, who's like 17th. Um, and then you look at Washington is in a similar position at five, where they have Utah this week. They have Oregon State still. They have uh, USC still. Um and then, like Michigan, like, their only two games of the season are in the next four weeks. They have Penn State next weekend, and then Ohio State um, during rivalry week. And so, like all of these teams that you have, kind of in this top four, five, like list, like really the only one who's like played a real team, other than Ohio State, is Florida State, whose schedule kind of like plateaus it's the, towards the, the end ACC. Of the year. The I, ACC just has beaten everybody, each other up. They, right, yeah. Even, like all the important ACC games have already happened. Alex, I think I would just. I think I think the best one of the season is Washington's over Oregon. Like I don't. I oh uh, no, I I agree. I just mean that like Washington like has right three now, more ranked teams on the schedule. Right. Not, not right. in terms of like their schedule starts this week, but just in terms of like if you're talking about like teams that can move further up, right, and teams that can get into that yeah. top four conversation, teams that can shuffle around that top four. 
UW has three ranked teams left on the schedule. Georgia has three ranked teams left on the schedule. Michigan's got two with Penn State and Ohio State. Um, obviously, Ohio State has to play Michigan as well. And, you know, so like there's still a lot of movement that's going to happen yeah. here. So I'm going to sound like a homer. And I was thinking about the best win oh, of the boy. season. Florida State beating the shit out of LSU in the first game of the season yeah. is the most impressive win. I don't know. I, no, it's look, they physically overwhelmed yeah, LSU. LSU's LSU's offense. LSU's also just like LSU. Like they're just like a inconsistent football team. But I mean to JP's point though, LSU is 14th. And yeah, so I think that and, like the committee, right? Like takes that into account and looks at that as like that's an impressive well, point. But and how is that better LSU. than the sixth ranked Oregon? Yeah, no, like that's uh, yeah. for sure. Right. Of that's course, my problem with that is I, that like I also am taking into the fact it's not just the win, it's how you win. Yeah. Well, right. I, I also think like I also think like to some degree the committee probably takes into account like having to play at a neutral site comparatively, yeah, like I, having to play on the road and like yeah, for sure. Ohio State having to travel to South Bend and try and beat Notre Dame, like I, even, I get it. It's, even, I get it. even look, look, man. Well, Notre even, Dame gave them that. Game. Even if yeah. it's a thing about like 10, 10 guys on the field twice, like ha ha ha, funny coaching mistake is funny. Uh, I know all about those. Trust me. Um, but like to some degree, that like they still had to travel to the on the road in a game where I believe game day was there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but game was. day was there. Yeah. Like there is different yeah. different circumstances around beating. Notre Dame on the road in South Bend, then Florida State beating LSU at a quote unquote neutral site, which was three hours away from them. <laughs> Again, and I, I, I think completely I think also with Ohio State, I think Ohio State kind of lucked out that Notre Dame went and kicked the crap out of USC. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. benefited I, I a think, lot. I think that I think that the fact that. They they barely beat a Notre Dame team, but they they still beat a Notre Dame beat team. A, Notre Dame that team that a couple weeks a later, whooped USC. I mean, made USC look like fools. Like they had no and, idea what was going on on the field. And they also took care of Duke. And it's not yeah. like it was yeah. a close game, but it, they took care of Duke. Um, yeah. I guess another thing that I had kind of been kicking around with the playoff is this. It's the first week. It's not going to matter. But yeah, that's that's the, the other thing. It's like you you kind of feel. I do kind of feel like they're gonna they're setting this up for one Michigan versus two Ohio State in the yeah, last week of the season. That's that's absolutely. what they that's what they want. The, yeah, the, yes. the committee's not gonna come out and publicly admit that they're trying to build matchups, but they're inflating teams for matchups. They're, they're building that matchup. Like, Missouri's number twelve, and like to some degree, I get it. It's like there is probably a thing of like, you know. If we're talking about TV ratings, and I hate talking about TV ratings, but when we talk about TV ratings, number two against number one looks a lot better than number one against number six or number five. Like, there is a lot that looks different when you talk about the game, where it's Michigan and Ohio State, and they're both ranked in the top two, and you make this a discussion of, hey, the winner makes the playoffs. Like, let's talk about this. Then... Hey guys, you know it's number one against number five. The winner might make the playoffs. Like that, I I get why they do it, but yeah, I mean the first playoff rating doesn't matter. Like that's the thing, as I have to tell everyone is like it just doesn't matter because I've been. I also think with Ohio State where it gets a little interesting is it's like who like their quarterbacks are hurt. Kyle McCord got hurt. Devin Brown's hurt, and the fact that they're still number one despite I mean. It, it, they've not really been 
convincing to me in, in any game. Like I, maybe it's just because I think Ryan Day is just soft. And I know if he ever listens to this episode, he'll yell at me after he wins a game. If he <laughs> yeah. didn't do goals. He's going to cut Congratulations, a JJ. You, congrats, have, you, you have become you, his next You are the bulletin board material. I'm fine with that. Let me. <laughs> that's, like, that's the one thing. That it, so if, if, if it causes him to fix his second and one issues, then I'm all for it. That's the one thing that, you know, the one thing that Georgia can benefit from with this first ranking. They gave Kirby the entire, the rest yeah. of the year, bulletin yeah. board material. Yeah. They don't think you're good, and now yeah. they're about to go stomp a mud hole. You've won Missouri. back-to-back national championships, and they think this jumped up. They they <laughs> doubted you. Coach is better than you. They yeah, like, doubted you. Yeah. Like they, uh, Kirby Smart finally gets his like they doubted you thing. It's like it's no longer like, hey guys, they doubted you because you were number two for one week in week two of the regular season last year. Like this is the first time where like. Kirby Smart gets the point to it and be like, they don't, they don't, they don't like you guys. They, they don't, don't really trust don't believe you. Believe in you. <laughs> yeah. they go make them believe. Which, which is it's very scary when you give Kirby Smart the who has won back to back national champions. I'm just bulleted saying. board material against Missouri, who has never been in this situation. I'm just, I'm just saying, like this game on Saturday can end one of two ways. First one is Missouri pulling off a miraculous upset. The other is Georgia stomping a mud hole in that ass. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's just not. Look, man, I I know we take, like, the bye week and stuff. Like, oh, it's like they look better after bye. But, yeah, it's kind of cliche. But Georgia looks a lot better after the bye. And that's a scary notion considering they're going into the toughest part of the schedule. I also think, like like you said, they're building matchups because Ole Miss at 10 is very funny. Yeah, Ole Miss it's just, is not It's incredibly, incredibly yeah. funny. Like, they, I, I think my – Go, go ahead, JP. I'll, I'll let you go. I guess my thing with Ole Miss is like, I'm just not convinced they're. I'm that not either. Good. I'm not convinced no, I'm not they're either. that good. I'm not like, either. They got. It's not the fact that they lost to Alabama. It's the fact that they put up ten points against Alabama. You. It's the fact that Lane Kiffin hyped up that entire game against Alabama to only score ten points. Like yeah. it's not just. It's not Big Brother. It's. Yeah. It's father. Trying, it's father. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's like notice me senpai and nick saban just like no we're 24 10 no no it's 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 like the it's like the dad and son playing basketball outside and it's like the the son going i'm finally gonna beat you dad i'm finally gonna beat you and and nick saban's like no you're not and he just starts like bank shotting oh, like bank shots shots and, elbow jumpers. and it's just like yeah. he's, he's playing like very 1960s basketball but it's working because yeah. he's been doing this for so many years and the little eight-year-old little Johnny or little Lane just doesn't have enough to compete. Little I will say Lane. Little Lane is so <laughs> Thanks for that. I will it's say it's going to be – I'm going to Photoshop say, that afterwards. I hope we realize. I will say that I think the Alabama thing is going to be very interesting because their one loss will be at home to Texas. But if they beat – they handled Ole Miss, handled Tennessee – if they beat LSU on Saturday, which I think they can, it's not like I'm gonna I'm not gonna pick them to win that game, but they can very well win that game. <laughs> we're gonna be back where we were last year, or like the year before, like Alabama, Georgia again. Yeah, we, it's gonna where be this, so funny. Where this like, gets so weird is LSU. If LSU beats Bama this week, Bama Ole beat Miss, Ole Miss, and Ole Miss, Ole Miss beat LSU. Beat LSU. What happens if if Ole Miss 
beats Georgia. I'm not saying they will. I I, I would put Lane it very Kipper low. Very Lane Kiffin gets to talk so much shit on Twitter. But like this is this is where it gets interesting. Is now it's like LSU. If if LSU could win out and make the SEC title game, if they beat Bama and pre- presumably Ole Miss drops the game to to Georgia. LSU, if if they went out, would just have the one loss in conference, and they would represent the SEC West. What happens if LSU beats Georgia in that <laughs> SEC title game? Right, like this, Again, this is, that's where it gets kind of interesting. Is it's like it's L- LSU goes and just just puts up sixty points on everybody. I'm not saying that they will, but it, they score I, on everybody. I, I so so here's my question about Alabama. It's like, what's it going to take for them to hypothetically make the playoffs again? Because I don't know if currently it's going it's to take Georgia. just oh, – I don't know. They got to win out and beat Georgia. They got to win out and beat Georgia. But, like, yeah. is that still going to be enough if Washington wins out, if Florida State wins out, and you have the Big Ten team who is potentially undefeated? Like, That's your four. Is that yeah, going to be, be enough? It's going to be the it's going to be the winner of the game, Florida State, Washington, or Oregon, and then Alabama. If they so, beat, If they beat Georgia, yeah. it's, it's not just, like – beating the secs you beat georgia so <laughs> like, so so here's here's my only question to that is that like very hypothetical now is like what if texas also wins out and you're talking win over alabama win over uh uh kansas state and another win over oklahoma like is that going to be enough to beat alabama in this discussion of like resumes well, because i think if you beat georgia but- that's you your beat Georgia, that you beat Georgia. Yeah. That trumps the loss. They'll, to they'll forgive but a week it, two yeah. loss with it, the, but with it the new will be tough. I, I think it would be tough to make the argument like being like, well, they're better than Texas, even though they met each other and Alabama was at home and there was no real and injuries Al- to either the side. Thing is, like Alabama was still winning in the in the fourth quarter. Like they had the they had the lead. Like it was a pretty even matchup yeah, with a new enough. quarterback coming in. And then it, like if Bama goes in takes care of business against a very good LSU team. Yeah. Wins out and beats Georgia in Atlanta. Like, I think that's the ultimate equal. I don't think anybody would get in over Alabama yeah, you, unless it's one of those undefeated. I think the question there is if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game, what happens with Georgia? Because they will have been oh, you're out. At, if, they will if have been a, a, if you're not a conference champ, but, you're out but this year. Will they, they will, will they a, be like they will have been a, so, they will uh, have been I, a top two team for most of the playoff but, ranking? Yeah, the like, issue becomes, I think it would, what if okay, you have, what if you it, have an undefeated Pac, Pac-12, Big Ten, then you right. have Bama. I was just going to say, like, like I, I think the the issue, right, is like you get into a scenario where, like, if you have Michigan and, and Ohio State, who one of them is going to have one loss to the other one, and the other one's going to be undefeated probably. You have an undefeated Pac-12 champion with Washington, or, or, or well, yeah, it would yeah. have to be Washington, and you have an undefeated ACC champion with Florida State. Like, if all of that happens and Alabama beats Georgia, and even, even like, Big 12 nonwithstanding, like, that's a very, very difficult field to crack. I just, yeah. I just don't know if the committee, and this is like speaking very cynically or like very like doubterish on what the committee does, is like I don't know if the committee is going to remove a team that just won two straight national champions. Oh, absolutely not. Like uh, that's the thing. Is like yeah. guys, it, the committee. It, 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 you know, you know what's gonna happen? You know what's gonna happen? 
Florida State's not going to make yeah, it. Like, I yeah, think, Florida, I think I think more, so too. Yeah, I Florida think the more realistic answer is that like Florida State probably needs to not only win out, they but also to, beat the shit out of. They need people. to kick ass. Yeah, like yeah. they, they Florida State's got to be running up the score in the ACC championship game. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I mean, think they probably no, they just, need to. They got to have a power bomb and Drake May through a table. Like I, probably I, gonna I, get. I mean, it might not be true. Probably gonna get Louisville. Probably Louisville. But like they're, I think that they probably also yeah. they probably also need to like just beat the brakes off Miami again. Like if that game's oh, they, even remotely they got close, a, they got a forty-five yeah. three. If if that game yeah. is even remotely close, and it's like well they only won by three points, like you're gonna have a very hard time convincing yeah. the committee that you're better than the team of Georgia. Could, that's that's, that's the one thing too. is is of the teams that are still like kind of up there. I'm kind of willing to give Washington a little bit of a buy recently because of the sickness and everything that they've kind of been, yeah. been battling. Like something has been clearly affecting Michael Penix Jr. It, in terms of everything, whether it's he's dealing with some sort of injury, whether it's just because of the flu. Well, it is Michael Penix. He's almost certainly dealing with an injury. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like I'm kind of willing to give a little bit. The team that has is like most susceptible to – the most BS games it's Florida State. is Florida State. I'm, I'm Florida sorry, State. JP, but like, no, I get it both, because... like because they, they kind of like screwed around with these teams. No. Like they're still winning games, but like well, the Syracuse Florida... game should have been like 45 to three in the second in the first. Yeah, so, and it's so like... what Florida State does is they fuck around for a quarter or a quarter and a half, and then they're like, "Oh, we're better than this team." Yeah, and it's for like 30 points. It's in, like the middle eight. Duke, it's right? it's. Like, it's it's the typical like lean in when you're playing video games. Like they're they're leading in in the second quarter. They're like, all right, guys, now it's time to actually play the, football. The first like right. complete like top to bottom win they've had like since the Louisville game was probably Wake Forest. And Wake they Forest just, is bad. They just <laughs> throttled them. Like they, yeah, and I, they I, would, this, I would argue a little bit Duke. Yeah, I mean the Duke game was but like it like was the clear. fourth quarter. They just they poured it on, and that's what like that fourth that, quarter. I think that also matters to the committee of like, sure, it might be close in the fourth quarter, but there's they're good enough that they're pulling away. It's not yeah. like they're just skirting by. Like, right. I mean, the Clemson game was an overtime game. That was the I mean, I feel like that's like truly the only like close game that they yeah, they I mean, handled most the, teams. The the real concern though is that like when you get to this final stretch of the season and Miami, who has looked better than recently is like if that's just another rivalry game and we've seen this series like jp and i have both seen the series just get really stupid at times like if that game gets stupid you're gonna have a very hard time convincing the committee that you're better than some of these other teams if washington is playing ranked opponents if georgia is right. the two-time national champion who will have ranked opponent wins against like missouri and stuff like Florida State needs to beat the brakes off of Miami because if that game's a three-point win and it's like a final second field goal to win the game, or even if it's like 10 points and Miami comes back and scores a touchdown late to make it interesting, like you're gonna have a hard time going to the committee going, look at this win, guys, look at this win. When and Georgia's going, look at our wins. It's and like it's not it's only just, that, it's the ACC they don't play is kind of ranked opponent. Yeah, the ACC is kind of right. cannibalized themselves. Except for Louisville. Like, yeah, like, I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah, is that, like these teams that you thought might be ranked <coughs> this late in the season, like Miami was ranked for most of the year. They're no longer ranked because they lost to North Carolina and Georgia tech. And like North Carolina lost to Georgia tech and Virginia. And like Miami almost right. lost to Virginia. Hell like th there's just so much cannibalism that goes on in the conference that like, there's like one good team and then a whole bunch of messes. 
That's and a it's, typical, like, yeah. it's a typical I, ACC year. Yeah, but I do like, think the committee yeah. doesn't look at the right. typical ACC year and go, well, Clemson was riding high when they played Florida State, and this is now no longer the same Clemson team. Like, they don't really look at it like that. It's really just like, you're not good now. It doesn't matter that you were good six weeks ago. We don't really right. care about I, that. I do think like the easiest way to sum this up probably is that like of the top five, Florida State is the least in control of their own destiny. Because I think that there's like a significant number of realities where Florida state wins out and still doesn't make it. Yeah. Um, and like every other team in that top five, like if you win out, you're in. And I will say, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say like, that's not the case for Florida state. I feel like, like there's still like other things that need to happen, even if they win out. Speaking of like the ACC kind of cannibalizing themselves. I do think we need to be prepared for a reality where Virginia tech, is facing Florida Let's State go. in the ACC title game. Yeah. They play Louisville this weekend, and Absolutely. if they win, they Absolutely. jump to second place with Boston, Co- Boston College, NC State, and Virginia left. <laughs> so, um, Let's go. Let's go. We would might, you, we you, might would you be surprised to know that Boston College has, like, one of the five – like, if you look at the, like, EPA and what, like, that Boston College has one of the five best rushing offenses. No, that makes sense. Their quarterback they just, like, quarterback, runs they around. Something else. Their, <laughs> their quarterback is freelance jazz. He just yeah. said, we're going to play this saxophone solo for 30 minutes. It might not sound great, yeah. but – Their quarterback's doing a whole marching band routine mm-hmm. before is, he – Decides what to do with the ball. Yeah, it looks like a drum major out there. Yeah, like like for where this gets interesting now is it like if if Washington drops a game to USC or Utah, Utah can put any team in a pretzel if they want, except for Oregon. Um, <laughs> it, like if you have to stack in, like let's say a one loss Texas or Oklahoma, you have to stack in Washington. Like if Washington drops a game to Utah, and then you have to stack in Oregon. And you have to stack in Bama, and you have like there's so many, and, and whoever like if Ohio State or Michigan, whoever loses that one, like you have this logjam of one loss teams up there at the top, and if and if Florida State drops, if somebody kind of screws around, how, like how does this all kind of work out? If you're going for like best team right now that's playing the best, like if if Texas or Oklahoma or Bama or whoever wins out. And like they're winning convincingly, like again with Bama and things like that. That argument with Florida State, especially Oregon, just caught fire, beat the crap out of Utah. That does not happen at Utah under Kyle Whittingham. That has just never happens. And if Oregon is playing like that for the rest of the year, and Washington drops a game, I'm not Alex. I'm not saying that they will. In, in this, I mean, scenario, no, I think that they could. If, if you have a one loss. Oregon team that it, let's say make like uh, wins a Pac-12, and you've got a Florida State that kind of screws around a little bit. You've got a Georgia team that kind of eh, skates out, a, a Michigan team, and then you've got Ohio State that only lost to Michigan, in, 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 or or vice versa. However, and then a one-loss Big Twelve champion. So that, that was going to be my is, thing. It's going to be like that's a nightmare scenario for that the was going to be my thing because what if we get Red River in the big 12 title game and Oklahoma thumps them again. Like then we're asking like, what's going to happen? Cause Oklahoma's beaten Texas twice and is the big 12 champion. And they would have beaten Oklahoma state as well. Who's also ranked. They would have beaten Oklahoma state. The one loss on the road to Kansas. 
Yeah. Yep. Against an undefeated Florida State who, for all intents and purposes, scenario, fucks around, but they still like win the games. They're still mm-hmm. undefeated. And then you're going against a Georgia team or whoever comes out of the SEC West and potentially beats Georgia in Atlanta. And you got the Pac-12, and then you got what happens in Michigan, Ohio State. It's this is really the year where you really wish you were at twelve. This is yeah, this is the one the year. This, I, I I was going to say that this is the first year that I feel like the twelve team playoff actually makes sense because it is. I I, I yeah, I'm just trying to figure out why Alex just like disappeared off the screen. Uh, but <laughs> we talked too negatively about Washington. <laughs> sorry guys, sorry guys, no podcast this week. We talked too Alex, negatively. Alex Alex, Alex slipped into great. the. East. Alex slipped, in, slipped into the ether and will but never like, be He sent Alex to the shadow realm. <laughs> but, like, this is the first year. Alex has been like, shadow banned. This is the first year where I feel, like, pretty comfortable in saying that, like, 12 teams is probably better for college football because it feels like this is the first year where you have more than four or five teams that, like, probably either deserve a spot at the table or deserve a chance of fighting for the national championship. And, like, inevitably two teams are going to be left out. We're going to be having the discussion at the end of the year of like, man, team X and team Y really deserved a shot, but they didn't get the shot because we were only at four teams and like other years that really wasn't the case. Well, the funniest thing for a 12 team this year would, would be you have to put the highest G five team in there, which means you're putting Missouri or Penn state out of the college football playoff. Which one of those teams are you putting out? Well, probably Penn State. Penn State. Penn, Penn State doesn't deserve anything it's after the way they've State, ruined Drew Aller. So again, I'm glad we get back to the point of I'm glad we've had enough of Penn State. I'm glad we have finally been like, okay, this clearly ain't happening. I think I think the time where I finally like sort of lost it on Penn State was when James Franklin like sort of just like, went off on the reporter for asking the question. Like, I get it, the question is dumb and like he shouldn't have asked it that way, and he's even admitted that publicly. But like, don't answer it that way. Don't answer it like you're condescending, and then make that an entire point for every practice afterwards. Of like, hey Drew, yeah. throw it deep. Like, don't and then that, the man. one game and that he does, the one game, the one game that they do, they score like forty like, points. Like, yeah. like don't don't egg on the poor reporter who asked the yeah. dumb question. Just like focus on beating a team, maybe that like you should probably not be beating. Because yeah. you could you could beat Rutgers. Congratulations. So can everyone else. Oh, not this year. Well, but like, not this year. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> like, Rutgers congratulations. Is- you could beat Michigan State. So can everyone else. You're not special for that. Yeah. It is very funny that James Franklin went on a tirade about throwing the ball deep. And then in the biggest game of the year so far, Giraller threw 49 passes and none of them were, <laughs> for deep. None of them yeah. were deep. Like, that, that would have been real cool. It would been real cool to have. But, yeah, that that's where it just gets it's so frustrating. Is it almost feels like James Franklin has like it's like that's like his Pat Narduzzi moment where Pat Narduzzi was like, we scored way too many points with Kenny Pickett. Like that's never happening again. And Pat and and so James Franklin is now like, oh, throwing the ball deep. Well, it's a cool sound bite, and we're just not doing it for whatever. Whether that's Mike Yurchich as the offensive coordinator, whether that's James Franklin just being a typical but didn't the didn't the question from the reporter stem from james franklin saying we want to throw the ball deep more often and we need drew aller to throw the ball deep more often 
And like and they're not there. It's yeah, it's like the thing is like, yeah, you're egging on the poor reporter for asking the question, but you brought up that point first and you said you wanted to do it, and then you had opportunities to do it, and you decided, <laughs> nah, check down central is here to stay. It looked like your typical air raid team. I just which, is, get, which was Mike Heritage. I get so yeah, frustrated I mean. with Penn State because they recruit really well, and you're like, hey, this team should finally be able to compete with Michigan and Ohio State. But every year, I hate living They're the Chargers. They're the Chargers. They get we hype them up the every year. The quarterback. That's the thing. It's like, but that's the thing this year. You had him. Yeah. And he threw the ball. He was he went 18 for 42. Like this was the this was supposed to be the year. Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to be this was Ohio State at their quote unquote weakest. This was Michigan at their quote-unquote weakest, and you get physically manhandled by Ohio State. You're probably going to get boat raced by Michigan. It is – I think it's far past time to really, like, question, like, hey, outside of that block punt in 2016 or block field goal in 2016, what has James Franklin, like, done? Yeah. Like, the 12-team playoff – The play well goal. is recruit well. The like, twelve team playoff is gonna help like save his ass when it comes yeah. to like actual expectations. Cause now I can just be like, oh, we got in as like Yeah, uh, and the, we drew we drew like, Air Force. We year. were the twelfth seed. Yeah, Woo! You, you, you drew the G five team. They're probably gonna lose that game. It's <laughs> they basically end up in the cotton bowl every year against and, Memphis. And here's, year Memphis. Yeah. here's my thing is like here's my thing is like my concern with Penn State is that like Drew Aller, I never thought he was like special in the sense of like this is a game changer at the position, but he was a, I believe, five star coming out of high school. And now he was a very late riser to be a five star. Like he was became five star like, midway through his senior year, but he was like a really good, talented quarterback. And so far, he looks like Sean Clifford, but younger. And that's yeah. it. See, I think the issue is, I, I think Aller. Is, is significantly more talented than any Penn State quarterback that has come through. Yeah. Like, in terms of arm talent, he's the best that they've had since Hackenberg. At oh, least. yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, sure. the ski, I, I've started to feel like it's a schematic issue. And it this is. year, they all, they this also, year, Penn State does not have their receivers. I was going to say, they also they don't have a receiver they can trust. It, it, it's, so it's it's a compounding thing. where If I'm Aller, I would leave. I would, I, I would absolutely transfer out, and I, I would go to yeah. a team because – if he transfers out, he's probably you know the best. I, I Washington as blasphemous as it would be, would be, I would really probably good. just go to Ohio State. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he would do that to Penn State. Like, I don't know if he would. I don't think he would Buddy, either. But like, if cool. we're just talking about like, <laughs> situation, like team that's looking for a quarterback. What? Sorry, you <laughs> just going up that school, bro. That's a damn mind. You think I'm gonna have any like? Code but, or ethics but, or unwritten yeah, rules. I, yeah, fuck that. I'm trying so, to get right. so, so here's my question. I, like, if he enters the portal, he's the best quarterback in the portal. We all agree, right? Right? Like, absolutely. Like, bearing uh, it depends uh, on Jalen Daniels. Jalen, yeah. Depends, yeah, unless Jalen enters. It depends on Daniels and whatever happens at Texas. No, no. Drew Aller's better than Malik Murphy. Yeah, I'm not talking I about Malik No, Murphy. yours, I'm, dude. Yours. I'm talking about I'm talking about yours. Well, I still think yours just declares. Like, I think he just I think that I think that yours. I don't know if would like, be behooved if, by declaring simply because like he'd have to get a waiver to transfer again. Yeah, unless like, he's graduating well, in three years. He's, he can get. He's a quarterback. He would get it. The, no, the issue because the they've issue proven that they're not just like, handing out waivers anymore. Remember the whole thing with Tez Walker at North Carolina? 
banks top sign, they're not just handing out waivers they, anymore. They, like they're um, gonna make they would they would hand it out. Quinn, for Ewers, form, yeah. Quinn Ewers is a white quarterback who was the, the highest <laughs> rated five recruit. Star, like no, they not would, only not only former five star, he was the highest rated recruit ever. Here's my yeah, here's my thing it. is like, here's my thing is like, I don't know if him going to a new school and doing it again at it maybe a slightly higher level helps his draft stack that much. Well, like, well I don't know, but but the well, thing is, is the last time we saw him, he lost. And we're in like Texas w- was in the game, but Houston was yeah, with he, them when when Ewers was in. Yeah, like Houston so, barely lost that game, and now Ewers has a separated shoulder. It's so uh, he might he might not play before the Big Twelve championship. No, game. I the and, the idea the idea I think is for him to return later in the regular season and yeah, build up no to. That, that well, sense. I think he's going to be healthy enough to play. I think that he's going to be healthy enough to play. I mean. Which, if he's if he's playing hurt, that's another conversation. So you, have, have you now have two him. seasons where he's missed significant time with injury. But the, the injury, the injury red flag doesn't go away because you move to no, but, but Washington but you or whatever. It's not a, not a just an injury red season. flag. It's you get to go somewhere as the unquestioned starter without a without man behind Yeah. Like the boosters at some point paid enough money for Arch Manning to come to Texas that they have to see a return on investment, which was kind of the theory was Ewers would declare. And now you're sitting here with all of the circumstances. Is Ewers, I mean, Ewers doesn't have a full season of play on his resume to make it into the NFL. And all he's done is, is throw RPOs. Well, so, speaking of viewers, we can get into the uh, NFL, <laughs> NFL draft and the big board. Uh, recently, Dane Brugler of The Athletic released his top 50. Viewers is not on it. He is not. No, he is. Of, he is. He's he is. 40, he is. He is. He's 48. He's 45th. He's 45th on the big board. And he's one of, I believe, nine quarterbacks in the top 50. There's one, two, three. I think he's got yeah, the wrong board. Eight. I. I don't agree with the rankings at quarterback. Let me just be honest. Let's go ahead and get into it. The number one overall player in Dane Brewer's big board, North Carolina's Drake May. That sort of fits what's in the league. Finally overtaking Caleb Williams. Um, Before the season, I had Williams as my number one quarterback, but I've been very adamant about being like, this is not a runaway thing for Caleb Williams. Drake May is right there with him. I, I said before the season, the gap between one and two is significantly smaller than the gap between two and three. Yeah. So now yeah. that May has kind of overtaken him, I do wonder if the style of Williams' play compared to guys that we've seen kind of come out who have been so good outside of the pocket and out of structure but still needing that time in structure, I wonder if that has kind of affected his stock yeah. in the eyes of, scouts i don't think i don't think it's so much the like just being able to make plays out structure or anything i think it's that like most of his highlight plays this season and even last season came with the cleanest pocket in the world with no one around him and he can run around and make everyone look silly that does not happen in the nfl like yeah that has never happened in the nfl you're never going to get 10 seconds to throw the football in the nfl you maybe get two like yeah it's just yeah, like Drake and, May and his personality, I think. is. Yeah, I think the other thing is like the personality of like, you know, I don't want to say these things of like 
because look, I'm not around him every day. And I hate being the dude who says he has character problems because of like how he acts to the media. And I don't want to be the interview guy who we all like laugh at, but like, I think there are probably going to be concerns about his personality. And I mean, like, there have been there have been yeah. concerns about other people's personality beforehand who have gone number one overall. Yeah. But, yeah. So. but yeah. when yeah. there but when there is another quarterback who is incredibly talented, that, that's going to be. I mean, there's also, like, there's also makes, been that. There's also been other but, quarterbacks who have been yeah. like that. But mm. like my my concern with that is that like Caleb Williams, first of all, has USC's not had a good season this year, which will almost certainly play a role. We all say don't scout the helmet. The helmet still gives some context in this case of like USC hasn't been good this year at all uh comparatively and like Drake May while UNC has not been good this year like there are other mitigating circumstances like, yeah like he's not the reason yeah and like they have lost these games the other I'm, thing I'm is like, like Caleb with Notre Dame. I mean I, like, I, I just, think I think well, NFL scouts are also going to fall in love with the guy who has to deal with the shitty offensive line and like Still makes plays. Like so, I think the NFL. To be fair, to be fair okay, USC's <laughs> offensive line kind of stinks, and well, I also um, think I kind of think Caleb Williams also stinks as a result. But no. well, I was also going to say when it comes to Caleb Williams and USC, I think Lincoln Riley's kind of packed it in when it yeah, comes. Yeah, to that's his, he has quiet quit. First, first of all, like, they can't run the ball. They either they can't or they, they choose. Not. They choose not to. They choose, yeah. Not, yeah. and that's why I'm saying like Lincoln's kind of packed it in. He's yeah. ready to go because last year what was working was GT counter. They that's what they based their entire offense off of. Now they don't run it. They, even though you have two good backs, and now you're putting yeah. everything on Caleb Williams' shoulders and forcing yeah. him to be Superman. And while he does do yeah. the Superman stuff, that's not conducive that's to. That's not good for his play, which can be very volatile. I think Drake May can also be kind of volatile a bit. For sure. I think he has he has, he has enough of the Bozo gene where it's Drake may has tuned it down a little bit, but he still does some real volatile stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's not, I will it's say not too, it, as far as the Caleb stuff goes, something that Brugler has said himself ab about this ranking and kind of about Caleb all season is that NFL teams are gonna have to parse whether like his lack of tape in structure is about a can't or a won't thing, right? That's the of big like, thing. Yeah. Is it that he can't do it? He can't operate an offense in structure? Or is it that the offense is designed for like a predetermined route because there's only really like one route that's <laughs> yeah. designed to get open yeah. because it's a Lincoln Riley offense. That's what and this is when that's not that open, area. then he like is just <laughs> running around. You're aware you do, JP. You say it every that's day. Of your life. Is it just like he won't do it? And like yeah. they're trying to ask him to do it, and he just won't do it. That's the tricky part. And that's going to be like the biggest question, I think. We have seen quarterbacks in in the Lincoln Riley offense make plays. Like it has been, it has been both. Like I think, I think what you're seeing is like when you look at 2017, when Lincoln Riley had Baker Mayfield that year that he won the Heisman. Baker Mayfield was making the plays within the structure of the offense. And it would be, you know, here's his initial read. He's off of it, his second and third read. And sometimes that was Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews would make a big play, things like that. And then the next year, it was all Kyler just hero-balling everything with that offense. Yeah. And then you have you have Jalen Hurts, and the offense changes to a little bit more of an option game. The ground game becomes important. Then you have Spencer Rattler, who I think the less said, the better, but even Spencer Rattler was making plays within the structure of the offense 
so it, that's where it gets tough to, is it's like how far is like like are we saying that Lincoln Riley has just totally deviated and his offense is is a one read because I don't I don't think it's quite at Phil Longo levels. I think it's but them it, not that's being, where it gets tricky. Them choosing not to run the ball has really I think, yeah, played into yeah. like Caleb Williams is now like instead of being in like second and fours, he's now in second and nines yeah, it's, or something. It's always, he's just he's holding on to the ball because he feels like he has to make a play or else yeah. this offense goes way off schedule yeah, yeah. because and they're not choosing to run the ball. Yeah. Right. But, I think that there are a lot of things about Caleb's evaluation that you can't directly attribute to Caleb. And that's what makes it difficult is like yeah. with Drake May, like even though he does have some of those more bozo gene plays and some more stuff and like he has a worse supporting cast, like I think that it's still easier to pick through all that and determine like what part of this is Drake yeah. May's fault and what part of this is the offense, the surroundings, the everything else. Yeah. With Caleb, that's a lot more difficult just because of like the play style and yeah. the way that Lincoln Riley is as a person. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. like it, it does make it harder. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of mitigating factors where like I think that a lot of NFL teams are going to look at that and they're just going to be like, ah, not my problem. Like, I don't yeah. know. Especially yeah. if especially if you're a team like the Chicago Bears, where you're like just, they just as, you just as an little answer. risk like, as possible. Yeah, that and that's where it gets tricky. But all of this, all of, like these questions that we're having, like scouts are going to doubt Caleb Williams. This is exactly what Caleb Williams and his dad want, right? The, the Williamses have been very public right. in saying that they do not want Caleb Williams to be drafted number one overall because teams that draft number one overall are typically historically Tough. bad. Yeah. yeah. And they don't want that. And so like all of this is like the Williams is like, yes, yeah. We don't, no, he's got character problems. He's a he paints his fingernails. That's 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 not an NFL quarterback. Like like all this is all what they really want. And I think if Lincoln Riley is also in on it a little bit and is kind of quiet quitting, and that is also impacting Caleb Williams' draft stock, it it's it gets a little little interesting. To me I do. Of... I think Lincoln is quiet quitting. I also think he. I also think Lincoln has his eyes on the NFL. I, he does. I, I really he do. absolutely. Does. I think. He I think he those, wants that. Those I those comments see. were not just like tongue in cheek. Like, man, it would be kind of cool to coach the NFL one day. That was like, hey, NFL teams, I'm here. Yeah, I want. I want to be out of here. I don't want to be here. There's been interest. There's like, been there, a lot of interest. There, there, there are sometimes where coaches will be like, yeah, you know, it'd be kind of cool to coach the NFL in the future, and it's like. It's really like not right now. I'm still yeah. here, and I still want to finish this out. Lincoln Riley was kind of just like he he <laughs> basically was, should have just posted on like, his LinkedIn that like I'm available for hire because that's it was what like he basically when, said. Uh, when Russ was on the Seahawks and they asked him like if he wanted to be traded, he's like, no, I want to be traded. But here are the three teams that I would like to be yeah, traded. It's, yeah, if I were to be traded, like but like with Riley, is it's like. He has shown that he wants nothing to do with being a college head coach. Yeah, he doesn't at, like at, it. At both Oklahoma and USC, like he doesn't show up to events. He has openly he complained like about having to recruit people, like yeah. openly complained about having to do it, guys. <laughs> you are USC and the people at Matter Day hate your guts. Like that's a problem. That is that's that's an issue. And like all of these things that he has to do as a college head coach. He hates it. He hates he, it. He and doesn't want to do it. He literally wants fine. to just sit in a room. And and draw plays up and look like a genius. Yeah, he, now, I and I personally, I think he would get eaten alive. Oh, in he the would. NFL. He would. I think he would he get. Just, he he doesn't around. have the bag. I don't think to coach the college. The, NFL, but... the college pipeline into the NFL has not worked. 
really ever. <laughs> it, it just hasn't. Well, 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 AJ, don't tell the Raiders that they just hired Antonio Pierce to run the show. <laughs> well, one of the things that also caught my eye with Dane's top 50 was the battle for QB5. I think we know who the top four are, and we can kind of discuss on what we think Shadur Sanders is going to do. I think he's going to return because I think I he think, returns. I think, I think returns. the idea of like you get to play one more year with your dad and Travis Hunter, and you're going to go in as QB one next year. And you're in the Big like, Twelve, you're playing better opponents. Like yeah, it's all going to well, uh, probably not. Better I think you're not playing better opponents, but yeah, I kind of realized after saying the team, that the team, the team really will be better. better. Maybe. The team will be better. <laughs> the team will be better. <laughs> They're like they're going to be playing contenders next you year. You might have an offensive line. I don't know. I don't know if they'll be playing contenders. That offensive line is still going to be bad. Can unless we, they can we talk about get five guys. But like twelve teams. line comments for Dion was like, "We'll just have a new offensive line next year." Like, yeah. You know what? Where are you going to get them from, buddy? Like, <laughs> what, you're just going to like go to Iowa and go take the farmers you and go what? tell them to I, go move to Colorado. I get why he yeah. does it because he's Dion Sanders, but you can't. Yeah. Just going you down. can't say that. You can't say that. It's like no. you're in the middle of the season, man. You know how the, you know how those 18 year old kids feel that Deion Sanders what? has just trashed you publicly. Yeah, guys. no kidding. Hey guys, hey guys, when has Deion Sanders ever cared about that? Because the first thing he said when he walked onto Boulder's <laughs> campus was, leave. "All of you, get out! Well, I'm bringing was, my own people." That was and he was that one. I kind of understood. Right. He was he right was because right. Was that, right. that team won like, one when game has last he year. Ever cared about what the optics are around a statement? He just doesn't care, yeah. and that's fine if he doesn't care. But like, let's not sit here and be like, "Well, you can't say that, guys. You're not supposed to say yeah, that." Yeah, he doesn't. Sanders doesn't he, give he a doesn't shit. care about what he well, should. He, he say, might not. Be, he might not care, but it's still like good to acknowledge. Like, yeah, it's still probably not, not yeah, great. Yeah, to say. But the battle let's for QB five. The, the battle for QB five is really interesting. Right now, Dane has Jaden Daniels, LSU quarterback at forty three. He's the fifth quarterback, and then Quinn Ewers and Carson Beck at fifty. I have no idea what to think of the other three quarterbacks here, but if I had any faith in any of them, like making a leap to true, like true blue QB five, it's probably Carson Beck. I think it's Quinn Ewers. For me, it's Quinn Ewers. I think it's Jaden Daniels. Well, so we all agree. We're, we are all, all, all over. I love oh, Jaden Daniels. I'm I love Jaden. Alex, break the tie. Go. Who do you think it is? He's going to say Michael Penix. <laughs> No, no. Okay. I, just do it. Just I, do, it, I, do I do think it's Daniels as well. I, I yeah. think. So I, like, I will just say, I will just say, I think there's a very glaring name missing from that list, and maybe it's the biasness in me of like, I think he's probably better. Than oh, him. don't you do uh, it! I think Michael uh, Pratt's better than half these guys. Oh, Michael Pratt. Pratt. Okay, Michael Pratt. Yeah. Pratt yeah. Yes. Okay. What you? you thought I was going to say Tyler Van Dyke. Get the fuck yes, out of yes. here! I was yes. worried. I was worried. Yeah. I was ready to punch Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt. Yes. I have said that. Like, I think Michael Pratt's going to be the third quarterback taken in this draft. I don't think. I think he's going. I don't think. I don't think. Well, look, I'm going to be wrong. I don't give a fuck. I've always, I'm always wrong. Like, yeah, I don't give a shit. But like, I think that like Michael Pratt's more NFL ready than Carson Beck, Quinn Ewers. Yeah, I, I maybe have not Jane Daniels. I think Jane Daniels has looked really good this year, but Daniels, I don't think Daniels has been really, really. Yeah, sharp. I think like Michael Pratt has looked really good this year, and I think the only thing holding him back from being on this list is the fact that he missed those yeah. games. That not he, only that, I kind of feel like his athletic upside is a bit more limited. Than but I don't all, care about. I don't care about the fact that my quarterback will run fast. You are not an NFL evaluator. The NFL will absolutely care about that. Let me let me let me. I think we've seen Brock Purdy and Tua Tungavailoa not be able to run. Yeah, and they have put up good numbers. And Kyle Shanahan. Not every team has. Just frankly, just frankly, give Michael Pratt, Frank Smith. Okay, basically, Michael Daniel. Back on track here a little bit. 
where where this gets interesting to me, a notable absence. Bonex guys, Bonex was was God, everywhere. Good. Bonex was everywhere Good. over the summer, and he not I even think, he didn't even make the board. I think Bonex interesting. And, I think both Bonex and Michael Penix are Saturday players. It's and that's fine. Yeah, we don't have but, to turn everybody into an NFL quarterback. I think yeah. both of them are very cool yeah. in the college game, in the college offense, where everything is so spread out, and you don't have to do any real like read in Bo Nix's case, Bo Nix does do any nothing. real reads or do anything like yeah. insane like NFL quarterback worthy. But yeah. he he does the occasional like deep pass, which is like once every like fifteen every twenty attempts. Yeah. yeah. And he's mobile enough to like make some shake on the ground. Yeah. But I don't I don't think he is a to me, certified like I don't think he should be in the top seven. No. To me, what he kind of reminds me of right now is the Baker Mayfield you're getting right now. Right? Like not the Baker Mayfield that went number one overall, but the current right now Baker Mayfield. There mm-hmm. you can make a couple plays like in structure. But if his first read isn't there, you see him kind of get a little jittery in the pocket and it just kind of collapses internally on himself. That's the same way I see Bo Nix right now. Is I was like, I, I was gonna call him Heineke. I, I think Oh, I think he's more I think he's bit. I don't think he has quite more. as much gunslinger to him. I think he's more talented think, than Heineke. Well, easily. I'm saying like in terms of the style of play. Okay. Like yeah, the, like like yeah. he needs to okay. play action he, stuff. He to, needs yeah. he needs yeah. everything mapped out for him, one to two to three. He also yeah. doesn't have the same like athletic like upside in terms of like he can change a game with his legs at the NFL level or change a game with his arm at NFL yeah. level. But what he can do is he can be the backup who comes in for a game against like the freaking Panthers and like lights the world on fire for that game. Yeah. And then everybody's asking yeah. questions. Oh, should he be the starter? That's Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah. I think too the the thing with Nix also right that I think has kind of gotten lost with people that do have him that high is that like the dude is going to have started 60 games by the time he gets to the nfl like wear and tear that is the definition of maxed out not even just the wear and tear aspect of it but like how much better are you expecting that guy to get yeah the the other concerning part of it is like bo nix has started those games and the circumstances in auburn were not in his favor and i think that there was a lot of pressure there that he just wasn't able to to beat which is fine but like also he has not improved from last season Oregon to this season Oregon enough for right. me to sit here and be like, this is a guy who has shown significant improvement year of year. Yeah. If he was, if right. he was a 60 game starter, but like from last season to this season, he was like fringe Heisman contender to like yeah. Heisman favorite or something. Like you could sit here right. and be like, well, he's improved every year, even if it's 60 games, like this is finally where he feels a little bit more comfortable playing the position. He's like probably the same quarterback as last year. Right. Which is not now, enough for me to sit yeah. here. Contrast that to Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Looks a lot better. Jaden Daniels has gotten so much better, not only yes. like as a passer in general, but throwing the ball downfield. Downfield. Like, yeah. Like he is he trusts he is the perfect, like he, he is perfect. Himself. I can be explosive with my legs or with my arm to the point where I don't need to do the in-between right now. Yeah, like, I would like for him to stop getting habugged in the middle of every game. Yeah, he, needs, the, to, he <laughs> needs to stop trying to get killed every time he runs he over. Crash like the every thing, game. The thing is, he doesn't try. He's like, trying to avoid these yeah. hits and ends up getting folded in half. It's like, like every, I time, being, being every time he's in the skill, open field. Every time he's in the open field. He's also, I get really worried that he's just going to explode into sonic rings. 
whenever he gets hit. Oh, he's just going to just disintegrate. He's just, just going to melt, and there's going to be no bones left. I think it's it the brain. It's, yeah. He's yeah, so it's skinny, the and like, he's it was the same thing that we said. It's the same thing we said about Lamar, but the thing, the difference between like Lamar and Jane Daniels, outside of many other things, is Lamar is really, really good at not getting hit. He yeah. did. He doesn't take many it's big hits. With Tyler, Jaden Daniels takes yeah, a big like, hit every time he goes the past thing, the line of scrimmage. Yeah. The thing about some of these smaller athletic quarterbacks is they're like incredibly well, good, and well versed at like knowing when to slide, knowing when to get out of bounds, knowing when to brace for impact. And like Jaden Daniels feels like he's just like still learning how to brace for impact. And he's just yeah. like, oh, I don't know what to do here, guys. And it's like, it's like, yeah. it's like if you the, gave like a sixteen-year-old the keys to like a a, a Maserati. Yeah, like, you don't know that you're not supposed to go like 150 miles. Yeah, an hour. he's just gonna you go. Have, like, you have the ability. Jaden Daniels is the Georgia football program off the field. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> speaking of Georgia, speaking of Georgia, Lad Bakaki. Lad McConkey. Well, I was gonna say my my reasoning for Carson Beck is Carson Beck. Yeah, I I really kind of I really kind of bought in to the development of Carson Beck over the past few past few weeks. Like it took the getting to the bye week and kind of figuring out what he can and can't do, and not having Brock Bowers. Yeah, like I think not having Brock Bowers has helped him out a lot in terms of like I can like I can do this my I can not say I can do this myself, but you can take the training wheels off a little bit. Like now they're not complete. They're not completely running the Stetson Bennett offense of screen passes. Like they're actually like taking some shots downfield. They're getting a bit more vertical. And I don't think this same, like the Georgia receiving core isn't like the same caliber as it has been yeah. over the past few years. Like Lad McConkey in Dame Brugler's top 50, which he's, he's, He's good. He's good. He's, he's good. Like, yeah. He's just he's a good, good football player. Like, he sounds we're like gonna, a baseball pitcher from the 1890s. We're gonna, gonna do the white receiver thing, but he's actually like a good Patriot. 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 Yeah. Patriot. Patriot. No, Patriot. Patriot. Not, Patriot. Patriot. Right. Patriot. Sorry. I, Patriots. No, don't, the Patriots don't draft white they receivers draft who are good history. athletes. Oh right. Sorry. Sorry. Not Patriot. Not Patriot. Not Patriot. Not Patriot. Dolphin actually. Braxton Berrios. No, I was gonna say the Jets. Yeah, like, Jets, yeah. yeah like he would, he would, he would sort of fit the mold that the Dolphins are going for at wide receiver. It's just like, hey, can you be a little bit more athletic than everyone else? And just like be cool, dude. Like that's what Lad McConkey is. Like he would be the perfect like slot receiver if Miami hadn't already spent so many assets in that wide receiver room that like don't draft another he one, is, please. You've already drafted seven for like if you have a guy on your team that they keep doubling. He is gonna he's gonna be the dude that ends up catching like seven passes for ninety-eight yards and two touchdowns okay, against so, the team and be like, damn. So so here's here's just got roasted by Lad McConkey. Like. Yeah. Here's, here's here's my question. Which team uh like four or five years from now gives him the Hunter Renfro extension? The because... Raiders again. <laughs> I was gonna say the Jets. <laughs> the Jets seem like the team. Says, yeah. Um, no, 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 it's the Giants. Yes, True. yes, yes. Yeah. The the Giants by that point will not have like a single good wide receiver except for him, and he'll have like eight hundred yards. The the reason why the Giants is because he's five ten and he has to play in the slot, and they can only they can only get <laughs> slot receiver. Yeah. That's 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 the rule. Um, Six foot two well, wide receiver. To get back nah. to Beck, um, to get yeah. back to Beck, I do think too like the interesting thing about his evaluation right is like JP is talking about like you're kind of taking the training wheels off this offense, you're kind of elevating it a little bit more. Stetson Bennett still went in the fourth round, and yeah. he was a sixth-year senior who had a DUI. <laughs> <laughs> he 
like, during the draft process, and, no me. less. Right. During the draft and process. And he didn't do any of the all-star games. And he didn't do any of the all-star circuits. And, and yes, so you but, take a guy like that who went in the fourth round in a training wheel offense with all of those other factors, and then you apply that to Beck, who has elevated the offense, is a he has like sophomore, he has like doesn't NFL, have any of those off-field flags. He has NFL and it's like, tools. Like he has, right, has NFL tools. And it's like you take a guy like that who went in the fourth round last season and you elevate that and it's like are you looking at like a second round player or a third See, round player is, like you have to think he's it's interesting is what if he comes back next year i think that's right. going to be right. i think right. probably, i think that's the like best move because because at that point you you're not contending against Drake May and Caleb Williams right you get another year of proving your ability to play <laughs> so i just saw Kevin's comment your ability to play in the pocket you get another year you're with Georgia yeah you don't have you you likely won't have Brock Bowers next year, but, but you already is pretty freaking good. But you're yeah, you're already proving yeah. Todd Hartley is a phenomenal tight ends coach. Like he's our, he's the best in the country, like by far right now. But like with with Carson Beck is now you have another year, and that offense is very pro style. Like what the pro, pro style is yeah. starting to look a little bit more like mm-hmm. a lot of the under center, like what Detroit and a little bit of San Fran, a little bit of Miami. The, those kind of like pro style under center plays and more importantly for them for plays sure. plays from the pocket. I think is the number one thing that sells Carson Beck to me right now. Is now you have another full year of that you're still contending with a national championship with Georgia because it's Georgia, and you get to come back next year if he leads them to. I mean, if he leads them to another title, the discussion gets a little hard. But if they're undefeated and they're still successful. He gets to come back in the next season as the unquestioned quarterback one or two, which is significantly yeah. higher and my, than four my or five. Thing, yeah. My thing I about was this say, year's draft is that like, if ahead. you're one of these fringe guys who has another year of eligibility, I think it may be worth using it. Like Michael Pratt, it may be worth Michael Pratt transferring to a P5 school, being able to do it with, you know, the P5. <laughs> roll tide. Yeah, like yeah. Riley Leonard. Like if Riley Leonard, like I think some of these guys... Back. Leonard should he should absolutely like, try it feels like for some of these guys who we thought heading into the season were like nailed on like second round third round picks like I don't think Michael Pratt Carson Beck's floor drops any like I don't think we're even if Carson Beck struggles a little bit next year I don't think the conversation now becomes like well he's now like a fifth round pick and he really fucked up by like returning like I feel like for to some degree like these guys have a pretty well set floor, but their ceilings can get really elevated if they yeah. play for top programs yeah. and continue to put it. Because next year's draft, like I don't know who the top quarterbacks are outside it's, of like, it's wide open. So, I think the likeliest outcome is that Shadur and Beck go back, and yeah. they're the battle for QB one next year. Yes, so I, I think, think yeah. I think it's Shadur, Beck, and Ewers. I, I, and I Leonard. Think that, I think, and yeah, and Leonard. I yeah. I think there's a conversation where like five or six guys return, and they're all in conversation to be. I like. I think. I think. It's, I think it's Shadur goes back because of the Colorado thing. I think yes. Beck, Leonard, and probably like Ewers and one Pratt, or two other return. of those fringe guys. Whether it's Ewers or like a I, Pratt, I don't think Pratt or I don't think like, Pratt returns. I think, I think Pratt does. I think, I think Pratt only think, returns if he's transferring up. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got to go up. So, so I here's think that's going to be the big thing held here's, against Here's him. my thing about Pratt. Pratt's going to, first of all, have to see what the NFL scouts say when he's thinking about coming out. If they're going to tell him that, like, 
well, you're a day two guy and we kind of like you, but we don't He's love gonna you. He's going to be a day two guy the whole time. But like, I don't know if that's enough for me to be like, man, I can go transfer to Alabama or Florida State or Especially one of these with, other top programs. It, and I, I, don't know NIL, it, I don't know if it changes. I mean, like the NIL is a significant thing, but in terms of like a draft stock perspective, I get he I, I'm not sure that is like, getting trans- high grades already. Yeah, how much is it really going to like? like he's not he's not going to play himself think, into the first. I, I, I think perception changes if he goes to a P five program, like mean? one of the more established P five programs, and if he leads him to one of those tw- spots in the playoffs or in a New Year's Six game, I think like, that, it really matters. I think the media perception changes the, for sure. I don't know that like. NFL perception NFL, of him yeah. changes. Like, I think that the like, NFL already looks at him fairly highly. Well, here's here's the other thing. Anything he can do like, at here's the other thing or whatever is, like, is at the Senior Bowl. So, but what I'm I yeah, think could, what Kevin, I, if he's the Senior Bowl invite, I think that probably changes it too. I think what Kevin's um, getting at is if he transfers, could he go from being second, third round guy at Tulane to being Fringe first round, guy. yeah, late, late so. first, at, early second at, at a big school. Alabama? I don't think so. I don't like, really I think, think that there's so. an argument there. I think there's an I'm, argument there. I think I understand it, but I also do think he's just, I still think he's a little physically limited. Yeah, not, I mean, yeah, he's not major, he not is. like severe debilitating. So, 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 Michael Pratt, Michael Pratt is going to be the dude who kills you in the pocket and knows football really well, like, he understands what he's looking at at a really high level. The problem is when plays break down, and this is going to be the conversation about like the quarterback, future of quarterback in the NFL is going to be how much do we care about a dude who is physically limited? Because is there going to be enough head coaches and OCs who go, I can do enough with him in the pocket that it won't matter if he's physically limited? Because we've seen the trend of guys who are a little bit more physically gifted, who can run around, make plays, be a extension of the run game or whatever. Like that we've seen those guys go high because of Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Justin Herbert. But like, I think that there is also a discussion of like, I wonder if the rise of guys like Tua helps guys like Pratt because, and I get it. It's like, it's going to be the conversation of like, well, he's got Tyreek Hill and he's got Mike McDaniel it really helps having those two around. But like, I think there are going to be some head coaches from that Shanahan tree because there are inevitably going to be six more that get hired this cycle of like, I think those guys in particular are going to be able to sit here and go, I'll take the guy without the physically gifted traits and I'll take the dude who I trust can yeah. run the offense a little bit more. I, I think with the way that evaluation from what I've, what I've been speaking to with, with a lot of scouts and you know, people at the, the play from the pocket, is what is separating a lot of quarterbacks yes. right now. Um, I, I, I think the media cares a little bit more about the plays out of structure than right now the NFL yeah. is like not going to sit here and be like, this guy can make all the plays out of structure, but he sucks in the pocket. We can deal with that. Like, I don't think yeah. NFL scouts are saying yeah. that. Right I, I, think, I think that's where the where the trend of, of evaluation is starting to go. I think especially because you're seeing like the resurgence of Geno Smith, I think is a I think it is a significant alteration for scouting. Yes. I, I think I think the Zach Wilson bust has a lot of people concerned. Not only, not only Zach Wilson, but the other three quarterbacks. Yeah. Post Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Every quarterback yeah. from the draft. Yeah. But you also Trevor. we also have the counter of Mac Jones. Yes. 
Yeah, like right. I think that there is. Sorry, AJ, your your point about Gino just like, like just flashes into my mind. Like Michael Pratt as like the heir apparent in he's, Seattle, I think yeah, makes that's a lot of a, sense. That's a solid fit if yeah, they're looking he's, for the he's future what, there. He's what Pete Carroll wants a quarterback. Now, granted, I think Gino is a little bit more aggressive, but Michael Pratt can turn right. it on as well. Like like Pratt, Michael, Pratt has been a playmaker. Yeah, so I think I think the like, thing about Pratt's like aggression. A, like I think the thing about Pratt's—it's not—it's not like the huge fireworks. Well, I—I I think the thing with Pratt's aggression is, I wonder if that's just a thing that Tulane's offense is trying to tell him is that like, hey, don't get too aggressive, because we'll scheme you guys open, and when we scheme your guys open, throw the ball there because you're going to make big plays and like. But I also think on the flip side is like Tulane, like when they had to go beat USC last year. They it drove was Michael right down Pratt. The field. You've got to throw the ball. Michael You've Pratt. got yeah. to throw well, the granted, ball. Granted, it's USC. We get it. But yeah, like, but... It, there, that's a that's the flashes of playmaking that you wanted to see kind of pop up out of Michael mm-hmm. Pratt. And I think this is where the interesting point gets. And this is why I think Bo Nix was probably going to still be like a third round pick. Yeah, is this because like Bo Nix. It, it's because he's proven that if you could just get the ball from point A to point B. That that is that is what most coaches now want, especially if more coaches, you know, like we talk about with the defensive revolution. There's there's a there's more shift to under center. There's a there's a there's a larger shift now in, into kind of like you could still make plays with like guys like Jared yes. Goff at quarterback, and they start to kind of replicate what Ben Johnson is doing on offense. Things like and what Cincinnati has recently started doing. Joe Burrow is not going to wow anybody with his physical tools, but he what is he really ball. good at? <laughs> really damn good. Now, granted, he can still make the quarterback draws, which is what Michael Pratt can do as well. And I'm not saying Pratt is Burrow, but it kind of like that physical limitation uh, of the same scenario here is like Joe Burrow is really good playing from the pocket. It can dice you up with his arm and make the plays Richard. that way, which is the same thing that Michael Pratt can do. Which so like at the bottom line, if he's getting senior bowl invites, I think he's gonna declare regardless. Which which the other thing is like it also probably depends to some degree on which head coaches get hired this cycle. And if we see guys from like the Ben Johnson, if Ben Johnson gets a head coaching job, which he will, like let's be clear, you're probably getting one this year. If Frank Smith from Miami gets one of these guys who are I I think Frank Smith will get interviews. I don't think he gets one this year, but uh, if if Shanahan tree guys get jobs, I think the way we draft quarterbacks this year changes because we've seen what Shanahan tree guys like to do at quarterback. And like, oh yeah, the one the yeah. one person who probably benefits the most from Brock Purdy and being Brock Purdy is Bo Nix because yeah, Bo, Bo Nix is yeah. Bo Nix is Brock Purdy. <laughs> Bo Nix is just like one point two times Brock Purdy. He's 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 a he's a standard deviation away. Yeah, yeah. From, from Brock Purdy. Bo, Bo Nix is, is like he's chaotic Bro- evil. He's Brock, Brock Purdy. He's Brock Heavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we're gonna wrap up here in a little bit, but I want to kind of do a lightning round. We got a little thirty second timer right here. I'm gonna go around to each of you guys. We tell me. Bad. Tell you. Tell me something <laughs> okay. about the about the top 50 that kind of stood out to you or some general observations that you had. AJ, I'm going to start with you. Your timer starts now. Uh, Not a single running back and only one tight end in the entire top 50. I thought it was interesting. I also thought his quarterback one being Cooper DeJean over uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Kalen King is kind of surprising, but I also think Cooper's a baller. 
and I would love to just see a white deep, like a white corner just come in and just be just really good and just totally break the norm. So I'm I'm here for it. All right. And you got that done in 25 seconds. You have five seconds. Let's, Let's go. All right, Alex, you're up. Your time starts now. Yeah, I thought Tyler Newbin at safety one was interesting, especially because Brugler had Cam Kitchens at safety one coming into the season. Kitchens not in the top 50 this year. Newbin's been great for Minnesota this season. Uh, Quinion Mitchell, the corner from Toledo getting in there, I thought was really interesting as well. Not a guy I've gotten around to, but, um, you know, someone who I think is is interesting for sure. Um, same thing as AJ, like tight end, only having one in there. And then 10 wide receivers, including Lad McConkey. Like, <laughs> it, it's crazy. And you got that done in 28 seconds. Let's go. Just beating it. All Let's right, go. Kevin, your time starts now. Okay, so I think I kind of agree with uh, Dane's top five at wide receiver, and I'm just going to say that like, I think that he probably hits the nail on the head there. I kind of agree with Alex, though. The safety position, only having two, and Tyler Newbin being number one is interesting. I really like Cam Kitchens. I really like uh, Andrew McCuba, if I'm saying his last name right, from Clemson. Like, I think that those guys are probably going to be drafted higher than Dane Brugler has them right now. 23 seconds. Dang. Nice. <laughs> I can All speak right. fast when I need to. All right. My timer starts now. I'm going to focus on defensive line because I love defensive line. Chris Braswell being edge six, really yeah. interesting to me. I think he is NFL built for a body. I don't think he's a super high like pass rush potential, but I think he's another one of those modern edges that you stick out on the edge in like a five-man front and like those tight fronts. He will cause havoc in the run game and then jared verse being edge four kind of shocked me a little bit yeah 25 seconds i win you got that one but that is that is going to be it for us here at sorry no podcast today of course if you didn't hear it that's because this podcast does not exist because there was no (laughs) podcast today but from aj katzen kevin tyler and myself jp we will see you next week or never because this podcast doesn't exist sometimes but see y'all next time tyler's back